Hi, Amber. Hi, Megan. Welcome to Bad Movies Rock. Well, thank you, Megan. Megan, welcome to Bad Movies Rock, where I am powered by sugar. Oh, yay. Mm, what kind of... The... Yeah, you... Weeks, really. Yes. Yeah. You have not... sugar. Yeah, you've not, you've not sugared it up in a very long time. I think my eyes are vibrating. Mm, you're definitely twitching. Yeah. It's good. It's real good. Are you, are you on that uh, post-birthday high there, Amber? Got that sweet birthday cake high right now. I, I mm-hmm. smothered it in berries, too. Yeah, why just, wouldn't you? It's like probably 90% berries, and then there was cake somewhere under there. Who the fuck cares? Who the fuck cares? Oh, so much sugar. Oh, Delicious Emily berries. Oh, thanks, Emily. Thanks for those berries. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Oh, it tastes so good. Oh, I have so much to say, except none of it's going to make sense. And then I'll eventually crash about halfway through the episode. Great. And then I'll probably get real cranky. Well, I'm glad we're I'm here for this ride. This will be great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Megan, <laughs> Megan and Amper's bogus podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Most non, non, non-heinous. <laughs> Let's see how many non non. Oh, that was three nons. So yeah. that makes it non heinous. Yeah. Oh dear. Oh, Wait, no, but that's done? good. That's good. Good. Okay. You've so made it yeah, a good podcast. Birthday cake is non heinous. It is. It is. It's. It's the day after my birthday, everyone. I mean, not when you're listening to this, but while we're recording it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is just. It felt really important to tell you that. Yeah. Absolutely. Just, you know, where I'm coming from, you know, so you get the context, the perspective that I'm bringing to this recording of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Mm -hmm. Entertainment justice style. Yes, indeed. Excellent. Megan. Yes, Amber. The day after her birthday girl demands a summary. Well, okay, then. Um, This movie is, uh, takes place, what is it, like two years after, um... Sorry, I turned away while saying that. Hold on a second. Uh, Let me try again here. She was consulting her notes. It's fine. Don't don't worry about it. Um, That's how you know the information is good, when her voice sort of travels to the side. It just goes over here. and uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So this movie takes place about two years after their excellent adventure and uh the 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 boys are are living in luxury of their apartment that they're scraping by and playing still terrible terrible music because even though last time they um agreed that they would finally learn to play their instruments they still not have not invested that time um their uh their english bibs are still with them um and uh, we then learn that there's a ba- a future bad guy that decides to make evil Bill and Ted robots and go back into the past Terminator style and undo all the good that OG Bill and Ted did to the universe. Because, I don't know, he hates the word excellent or something. I don't know. His motivations are unclear, except that he wants to stop Bill and Ted. Um, yeah, and so the movie uh, practically starts with Bill and Ted being murdered and thrown off a cliff. I mean, it takes a little while to get there, but yeah, they 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 straight up die pretty early in the movie. <laughs> Didn't see that coming, did you, Megan? Yeah, it is rare in a movie, Amber, where the um, in the first half hour or so, the, the main folks get uh, just straight up thrown off a cliff mm-hmm. by their future evil robot selves. Yeah, that does make it a, a lot more unlikely to see it more than once in your lifetime yeah 
Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty specific death and circumstances. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then Bill and Ted meet death. And they're able to bargain with him by playing um, tabletop games with death until he agrees that he can't take losing to them anymore in a variety of games and uh, becomes indebted to them. And uh, so it's kind of then the adventures of death and Bill and Ted, who then go find the smartest creatures in the universe to make good Bill and Ted robots, the only way to combat evil Bill and Ted robots. Uh, and then they've got to go win a battle of the bands. And, uh, yeah, battle of the bands, save uh-huh. the princesses, defeat the evil robots. Right. Yeah. And finally learn to play musical instruments, save the world. The end. Yeah, it's because it's, it's, they have to subvert the anti-future, save the women they love, and also not only win the battle of the bands, but do so by playing the music that will bring the world into utopia. Right. And and it's a very much, um, you know, the more I think of it, the more this movie is exactly like Terminator, um, where sending bad robots into the past to fix the future actually makes the future happen that you didn't want to happen. I mean, yeah, with without the extra added push of being murdered. Right. Would they have learned how to play their instruments? And would the uh, the, the the big bad guy um, was able to um, broadcast uh, what was supposed to be a terrible performance um, to every TV in the world? And then exactly. it, it ended up being a most non-non-non-heinous performance. Non-non-non. Okay, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I think I did it. Um, and uh, and, and it, that's what healed the world, Amber. You'd think that he would know that, given the fact that he's from the future and wants to change it. So mm-hmm. you'd think that all of this would be part of that. That future hadn't happened yet, though, Amber. But that future is the direct result of this past, presumably. He, he, um, but uh, he had to go back into the past to make it happen. You know, Amber, um, time travel movies... Are complex always make things. Sense. Yeah. Oh, yes. And com- like I was going to say, complex and always make sense. You finished yeah. my sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. I was really, was really pretty sure where that ham and rye was going. Mm-hmm. I like neither of those things. And yet, I don't care. I really don't like rye bread. What's wrong with rye bread? Um, whatever that rye is. What is it? Rye? Dislike. <laughs> <laughs> whatever that bread is. What is it? bread it's the it's the, it's the thing that's bread and it's the part mm. you don't like, like the Carol flavor seeds. of rye yeah mm-hmm. okay that's fine you don't it's have to I, yeah i'm just trying to think of ways to torture you with that information mm. we'll get back to that put a pin in it cool. megan mm-hmm. how do the critics feel about this most excellent follow-up to bill and ted's excellent adventure yeah the rotten tomatoes were at 56 for the critics and 57 for the audience 50 wow yeah, uh, 60 for the critics, 81 for the audience. Wow. Wow. Rotten Tomatoes audience, why are you so mad at Bill and Ted's bogus journey? Wasn't it the opposite for last time? I don't even remember. I do, I think the Rotten Tomatoes score was higher. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes uh, was higher last time and Metacritic was in the 50s. I never understand how that works. No, I don't either. Because they're pulling from a lot of the same critics. I know. Not even that many critics on Meta. It's only 10. This is based on 10 reviews. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Hal Hinson of the Washington Post, 90% scored review. Okay. Blurby is pretty glowing. There's nothing bogus about this locomotivated follow-up. It's a truly excellent adventure, hilariously inventive, grease lightning paced, and dumb bunny brilliant. I love dumb bunny brilliant as a way yeah. to describe something. Yeah. And yeah, some of the critics thought this was uh, even better than the original, maybe funnier than the original. Wow. And an intelligent in expanding on the potential for the surreal is, is from Lloyd Bradley at Empire. It's it's ties up all the loose ends, managing quite remarkably to give pointlessness <laughs> a purpose. Ties up the fucking loose ends? And okay. manages to give pointlessness a purpose, oh, Megan. Okay, wow, that is... Magical stuff, like magical praise. fucking stuff right there. Uh -huh. Yeah. And then uh, a couple of them noted that you know, the, the Grim Reaper played by William Sadler, just, mwah, just oh, beautiful. Oh, yeah. Chef's kiss to you, sir. I think you stole the movie. Th there is definitely um, a couple critics who say, once Bill and Ted get out of hell, the the, the film loses it in more ways than one. I'm not sure what that means, but... Um, uh, what? That makes no sense, because when they get out of hell is when the Grim Reaper shows up and does his thing. Oh, that's true. What? The huh. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, no, no, yeah, you're right. No. Oh, madness <laughs> yeah well none of them of course mention the things that we might not like about this at least no, in their blurbies so don't. we're gonna have to get into that ultimately though i would say 60s probably fairly accurate for me i like it better than the first one yeah for for a, a number of reasons i think it held up a lot better for me than the first one too i, I think my, yes. my cautious I optimism was was pretty solid only yeah. because they kind of avoided just making the same mistakes by sending them to heaven and hell instead of picking yeah. up historical figures. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Although, Ember, what don't they avoid? Why did they carve out space to drop another F-bomb? The fucking fuck why? Yeah, it's uh, like almost, on. it seemed like belligerently on purpose, even. It really did. And it... Despite the fact that it came from, so most of the objectionable stuff comes from the evil robot versions of Bill and Ted. Mm -hmm. But they're supposed to be exactly like Bill and Ted, only evil. Right. And you can't really say that they use that word because they're evil, because the idiot motherfuckers used it themselves in the first movie. Yeah, absolutely. And it's 100% played for laughs. It's yeah. real gross. It's, yeah. it's gross enough that it's something I would say, I don't know, maybe dub that shit over. It doesn't need to be in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, how do you feel, Amber, about, like, deleting or dubbing over bullshit that, that used to be in movies or TV shows or deleting specific TV show episodes because they're oh man, that's um, particularly non-non-non-non-heinous? That's, that's, that's a hard one. I... It's, I, I, yes, I agree. I agree. I have, I, I mean, I'm kind of ambivalent about it. it. It happened. It exists. People have seen it. It's part of your canon. You made that choice. You made that choice in a specific time. I kind of feel like just let it be there and prompt conversations like this where I can yell at human beings. Yeah. To have people in the room to tell you not to do that if you're really going to be that fucking stupid. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously the actual thing that needs to happen. Yeah, I mean, it, if, if, if we kind of whitewash it all and make it go away, then we can't have the conversation. 
Yeah. And we can't learn from it and we can't kind of like have, I feel like the wince moments are signs of growth and change. If, if yeah. you wince at it, then it, it shows that that is still a bad thing. And it's if it's something we did 10 years ago, but you're not seeing happen today, great. Yep. Washing over it isn't going to... It's not like things are going to resurge because Bill and Ted drops an F-bomb. You're right. There's there's no reason to dub it over. Yeah, and I wasn't necessarily criticizing... Yeah, I wasn't criticizing what no, you said. No, you were criticizing but- me as a human being, and you wanted to put Obviously. me on the spot, and you're yes. the worst. Well, there was a lot of hubbub made about... Um, I think it was 30 Rock, and maybe some other um, shows were taking... Uh, removing from streaming their most probably yeah most problematic yeah. blackface episodes um which i also feel like if i'm if i'm watching if i'm rewatching 30 rock and that pops up i'm going to be just livid you know like that is not happy fun times megan doing like random grading activities um background that is uh enrageful um but I also feel very similar to, to what you were just saying. We don't grow if we don't if we try to delete all that shit from the things that people actually really did yeah, not that, that long ago. That 100% happened, and they thought it was hilarious, and they had their reasons for doing it, despite the fact that they knew they probably shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Right, that's a level of privilege and entitlement and kind of being up your own assness that we should again leave there on the floor so that we can look at it and interrogate it and see how we feel about it as we move forward with this grand experiment called humanity. I am, again, pretty on the fence about that shit. Yeah, fair. Humanity, yeah. Yeah, humanity as a whole, really. Doesn't seem to be going super well. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think cleaning it up makes sense. It exists. People saw it. You did what you did. And yeah. to for me, I think the cleanup is more about the guilt and the shame that they feel than it is about repairing harm or pushing the needle in a better direction. Like if if their concern is the outcry and the cleanup is in response to that, then it really is just to make people shut up and think you're good again. Right. Apologize for it. Do better. And if you've already apologized for it and you stand by that apology, just resurrect that apology tweet and retweet it out the next time somebody rediscovers that episode. And I, I have to say, if your biggest complaint is having to continually apologize for a bad thing that you did forever ago, then it's kind of like you're getting like a glimmer of what it's like to be a person of color. <laughs> you know how we, we constantly have to explain, or really any minority, constantly having to explain to white people why what they're doing is problematic or harmful or just racist, misogynistic, homophobic, why it's not great. We constantly have to give fucking sermons about being anti-racist. We're always in that position of not apologizing, but justifying ourselves and our experiences. So if you sometimes have to say, sorry about that thing I did before, I feel like I've learned, good. Yeah. Maybe it'll help. Yeah, maybe doing it the hundredth time will make you get a glimmer of what what you have to go through yeah great anywho we weren't gonna make this about amber being angry and popping off i feel like megan baited me into this <laughs> no i was honest i i, I have 
been thinking about that. I so and okay, so that's one thing. <laughs> Let's get to the second bullshit thing that they did, which is um the evil uh robot Bill and Ted's um were just super rapey, assaulty to um their 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 girlfriends, and it was it felt really gross and. Again, like you said, this was played for laughs, and you know, it, I mean, they were the bill. Yeah, it was gross. There, the, the the easiest line to pull out is is when I think evil robot Bill looks at a picture of the princesses and says, "Oh, I just got a full on robot chubby." It's gross, mm-hmm. but that's much less troubling than when the two of them essentially are trying to force the very chaste princesses into sex. Yes. That they don't want and aren't ready for. It, the entire purpose of which is to destroy Bill and Ted's, the real Bill and Ted's relationship with the princesses. Kind of doesn't matter because it's really awful. They could have just been terrible. They were already being terrible. Be- right. Being terrible and neglectful and crappy. Continue to do that. But I don't want to see those two women shrieking pinned to the bed no. by men who are telling them to put out and then breaking up with them because they wouldn't put out. And then later grabbing them by the hair and dragging them off to oh, murder yeah. them. Yeah. It's yep. real gross. And talking about having sex with them before they murder them, it is really deeply upsetting. I'm sorry, as a woman. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 sure, break up with them, you know, cause Bill, OG Bill and Ted pain that way. But th- th- this was just gross. Yeah. Just super upsetting, upsetting to watch upsetting that it kept going on yeah it was not okay it was uh, the princesses are already kind of treated sort of like sexual objects objects. yeah they they managed to learn to play their instruments but they uh, never had a problem yeah they never (laughs) had a problem but they they were mostly just but they don't say hardly anything in this movie they don't have personalities they um uh, there's no like apology for any of it or like i'm sorry you went through this or yeah there's no acknowledgement of how terrible any of that was no they were damsels in distress and prizes to be won that's that is their sole purpose more more than anything and and once original bill and ted are back they just forgive them immediately have no you know trauma from their experience and go to playing instruments again I mean, it's just so wonderful that the real Bill and Ted are back. Isn't isn't that enough, Megan? Uh, it should be, shouldn't There's, it? The real Bill and Ted are back. Everything that happened before is totally cool, man. And and, and as if to also just like put put a put a hang a lamp on this. Um, the the actors who play the English babes are different actors than the first movie. So it doesn't even matter who these actors are. They're just another blonde and brunette. Wholly interchangeable, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other than Pam Greer, who... Pam Greer's in this for about five seconds. Awesome. Fantastic. Love to see her. The, for, the, the hair, the bodysuit she's wearing, perfect late 80s, early 90s MTV awesomeness. Thank you for that. Other than Pam, there is uh, the woman Missy from the first movie who the young woman who was married to Bill's father and had sex with him in Bill's room now married to Ted's father. Yes. And then we find out later marries the bad guy in the movie. Right. She, I don't know. I guess that's funny. She just keeps hopping from old dude to old dude is the joke. I guess that's funny. 
I guess I that's funny. Know. Although it's, you know, like Bill and Ted were, um, in the first movie, they were still in high school. She was, what, three years older than them? And so you get to thinking about it and like, she's marrying guys twice her age. Like, even if she is of legal age, like, it's still very power dynamic-y, young, just out of high school woman marrying someone twice her age, which is just... Yeah. I'm not even sure exactly what the joke is. I mean, the the joke was that uh, she was going to have sex on, on uh, Bill's I bed. His dad Whoa, and she's pretty young funny. and they're, they think she's hot. They have to call Missy mom, even though she's only a few. I, I guess. It's, I, it's not really at all. something a joke. It's kind of a joke there, I guess. She does get one moment to, she stands up to the evil Bill and Ted robots while they're trying to drag their girlfriends from her house. Yes. They break in by diving through the window and just mm-hmm. drag their girlfriends from the house. Ugh. Yeah, none of that. None of that I needed. None of that I wanted. It's uh, thank you for the casual violence against women in your slapstick stoner comedy movie. Yeah, seriously. It's just like take a full step back. Like that's not not necessary, not acceptable. Hmm. So, other than yes. that. Yes, just other a- than that. Wild ride. So critics didn't mention any of that and but I feel like the scores yeah, weird, were fine right? enough. That's so <laughs> weird that they didn't talk about those things yeah. while reviewing Bill and Ted's bogus journey. No more than we expected, critics. Yeah, critics. Well, Megan. Yes, Amber. This was your first viewing of Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Yes, it was. How did you feel about it? Um non heinous or non non heinous? Yeah, good question. I thought there were some really fun parts of it. Oh, <gasps> you don't like this movie. I liked it okay, but we're just Here's the thing. You ask me sometimes this question after we've just talked about like like ever pre- like in my mind right now are women being pulled out by their hair to be murdered. Like that's that is what I'm thinking about in this movie right now. And Sorry, the fact that it's just says, want to remind you that they also wanted to have sex with them before murdering them. Yeah, good. The just old adding that rape uh, that double layer. Yeah, that's yeah, great. That you. that happens to people every day, and that's a horrendous thing. That it's just like you said in a slapstick stoner movie. Yeah, but fucking keep, great. Put that aside. Hold that in your mind too. Yeah. Multitask with me, okay. Megan. It's hard Multitask for me right now. With me. Okay, let me do, try. Do we need to go through the happy parts? Is, is it because we watched it a few days ago and then we just really just rolled around in the I just need to armpit of the movie? Yeah, William Sadler. William Sadler. William Sadler. Okay, hold on a second. Just remember his little grin. Oh, his eyes lit up. Yes. How thirsty he was. Oh, so thirsty. Such a thirsty death. Yeah. So William Sadler plays death and he plays it with like white ghost makeup on and like red lipstick and like have you ever seen well he there was no red lipstick he was totally monochromatic have you ever seen or mm. like heard of or referenced like the seventh seal yes yes i have is that the name of the movie i might even not even say the right thing but essentially old classic movie he looks exactly like death from that like they they mm, ripped him okay. right out of that it, including the concept of i think in that death plays a knight um, like a knight plays death in, in a game of chess for yes. his soul. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did read that as a, yeah, that's, uh, this was an homage to that, yeah. Indeed, they homaged the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. But this death had a personality and he didn't get to play chess. 
because Bill and Ted don't play chess. They do not. It's, they play it every other tabletop game except. It's great. I The whole thing with death is what makes me love this movie. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, okay, fine. We, we start in the future. It's all sunny and filled with foam. Just oh my goodness. hyper, like, do you remember the super hyper fluorescent colors from the 80s? My similarly aged friend. Uh-huh. Yes. The pinks and, and, and the oranges and the mm-hmm. greens. Yes. Yep. And everything was that hyper color. But like lots of individual colors, not no patterns, nothing like that. But like lots of layered colors mm-hmm. on And each most other. of them foam. And then also, <laughs> yeah, like boots that were, I don't know, 12 times the size as a person would need. Yeah. And think made out Uggs. of foam. Yeah. Like, think foam Uggs, but yeah, like five on, sizes. On steroids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. The clothing of the future. We learn about the whole, you know, Denomalos guy shows up. He's wearing black, you know, to set him off as a dissident. He doesn't like yes. the stupid future with brainless oafs get to run things. And then, oh, evil robots. How do we know these Bill and Ted's are evil robots? Well, they just rip their own face meat off. And yeah, show- my God. <laughs> I do like that. It's, it's what's, really good. What's the best way to show that the thing that looks like Bill and Ted is a robot? Oh, they just shove their hands in their cheeks and just rip off the face meat from their entire skull. Yeah. Awesome. That's the way to do it. Not just say beep boop, but like just rip your head off. Mm-hmm. Then we get the whole lowdown. They're going to kill Bill and Ted and mm-hmm. ruin the Battle of the Bands so that the future never happens. And then Denomalos gets to rewrite the future. Cool. Yep. Perfect. George Carlin's still there for about five seconds and then disappears. Yep. And then, you know, the whole things get going. Pam Grew shows up and Bill and Ted drop Bill and Ted off of a cliff, which seems to be the same cliff as that one Star Trek episode that Bill and Ted were watching while depressed. Yes, it was literally. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was great. Is it dead? And then they jump up and they're monochromatic because they're dead. And then death shows up on a cliff behind them. That's kind of cool. Like they're having their stupid yeah. conversation. You just see like the black robed figure with the scythe just standing in the distance. Then bam! And he's close. right next to them. Yeah. Well, how do you get, get away from death so you can go save the princesses from your evil robot usses? Obviously, a Melvin. A Melvin! Which, which is I... a thing everybody knows, so I will not define it. I'm going to define it because I <laughs> know it. Apparently, a Melvin is what you call a fucking wedgie? Okay. So yep. they Melvin death and they walk back. Ooh! Also leading to one of my other favorite scenes. Here, Megan, let me... Let me just please I'm, like let's, let's redo the movie for you. There's some okay. lovely okay. moments that I feel like you enjoyed. They hold I the did. two things in your mind. Okay. Horrible violence against women and uh-huh. dead Ted possessing his cop father. Oh my god. <laughs> You're right. That was fantastic. Because hey, his dad's a cop. He has to protect the bibs from the, mm-hmm. their evil robot thems. So during a police briefing meeting, he jumps into his dad's ear. And yep. so the actor who plays his dad has to act like Keanu Reeves playing Ted. Yeah, it's 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 quite good. Um, so good. It, uh, Hal, Hal Landon Jr. Um, plays Ted's dad. And he especially does a very good Ted impression. So good. The physicality, like the way he sort of holds his arms stiff but gangly and loose and mm-hmm. like leans back at the waist and like even the facial expressions it's like my son ted has been murdered by an evil robot version of himself 
You must and- go save the babes. I mean, the princesses. Yep. <laughs> and of course, the um, the special effects that uh, are both Bill and Ted going into the ears of these two police officers is is just very. It's just very good. They're fantastic. Yeah, just great. It's oh yeah, high good. level, high level. The best you could achieve in 1991. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did such a good job. And then when they do air guitar, because of course air guitar still exists in this movie, but it's not it's not electric guitars because they're older. It's like acoustic guitars play. So instead of like, it's like, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I get it. It's pretty good stuff. It's pretty good. And then, of course, so we're getting to death. I have to walk you through this again so that you remember that there are some good moments. Okay. Okay. There's the seance. So yes. they go to Missy and they're like, okay, mm-hmm. if we, we can't convince the cops, we'll, we'll be able to convince Missy if we crash her seance. But they freak Missy and her seance friends out. So no, she, of course, uh, being prepared for the presence of evil to show up, reads from her banishing evil book and sends them straight to hell. Yep. Where Pretty they <laughs> piss off the devil and then wind up in these like, I like hell. Hell is very Bertonian. You know, it's the, yeah. they're in this like cramped space where they can't quite stand up and there's doors everywhere and it's very like industrial underground prison. Yep. Every time they enter a room, it's a new, terrible experience. When they're together, it's it's they're in boot camp with an evil, kind of racist, homophobic colonel who's telling them to do things. Which th- they met earlier in the movie. Yes. Um, which was great. Yeah. Chekhov's colonel. Why upsetting. was he at there? Was it a birthday party? I think it was a birthday party or something. And oh, that's uh, right. It was the princess's five hundred and twenty-first birthday. That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they get to celebrate it as one entity because they are the princesses. They're the princesses. The mm-hmm. bibs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For some reason, he was at that party, freaking them out, and so we knew who he was when he showed up in hell, and told them to do a million er, in, infinity push-ups. Infinity. Well, they do going, about. Two and they're like, I can't keep. I, I don't can't, think I can do infinity. I dude. don't think I can. <laughs> You're not strong. You're silky boys. Silk comes from the butt of Chinese worms. Is what he's saying as he strolls around them while they do these. Oh yeah. Wow. Do you think he'd let us do girl push-ups? Oh boy, so much. So it's like both kind of racist and like, it was weird. It was yeah. just <laughs> weirdly maybe homophobic maybe Maybe? misogynistic and maybe racist but i'm also not quite sure i'm not quite sure and it was absurd enough that i was kind of like chuckling and wondering should i just the way he said you're silky boy (laughs) and then told me where silk comes from (laughs) yeah there's definition silk from the latin from and then, of course, if you find yourself in hell and you need to go through lots of doors to figure out what's going on, you split mm-hmm. up. Always split up. Always split up in hell. Come yep. on. And so we then, get to see childhood individualized yes. fears. Yep. Ted apparently is terrified of the Easter bunny. Yep. Reasonable. That was a pretty freaky ass animatronic bunny. I didn't, like, I didn't like it. Very scary. Yes. Agreed. I was not okay. And Bill didn't want to have to kiss his elderly grandmother. Yes. Who I believe was him in prosthetics. Was it really? Yeah. I think Alex Winter played the wow. grandmother. Wow. I knew it was someone in prosthetics because they made it. They made it. Um, Did you ever see Nothing But Trouble? No, ma'am. 
Oh boy. Oh boy, Ember. Oh dear. Oh boy, Ember. Wow. Oh, oh, oh dear. I don't oh want to see what's in your head right now. That's a lot of oh boys. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. I'm I don't not sure watch that, that I can Yeah, I don't know that I don't know that we do. And yet, and yet it was a movie I watched many times when I was young. Why? Um Chevy Chase Demi Moore um John Candy playing multiple roles. Um Dan Aykroyd playing multiple roles with a penis nose with all the a like, penis nose. Well, sometimes a penis nose. And uh, all this prosthetics on. Sometimes a penis nose. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hearing a lot of things. I That movie sounds familiar in that that cast is from. Like, so many movies came out that had, like, it was sort of a word jumble of the people who might be in it. And you've just pulled out a whole bunch of them from the 80s. I did, yes. Like, it could have been, who's Harry Crumb or The Great Outdoors or Fletch or Fletch Lives. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie, and now I kind of don't want to. With the look on your face, I I don't th- I don't think you do. Um, Amber, uh, nothing but trouble is Tupac Shakur's film debut. Well, now you're just saying things that make me want to watch it. I know, because Digital Underground shows up briefly. What? Yep. What? It is fucking confused. Like. We should cut this out of the podcast because I'm sure this is very boring to everyone. But like, it is a confusing ass movie that I just don't think I have words for. Yeah, see, now I feel like I have to watch it. Anyway. Yep. Hell ends about there. They start getting chased by the things from the rooms they went into. And then they're like, man, dude, we got to play. We got to play death. And then William Sadler shows up and saves them. And he explains the rules. If you win or if, if, if you win, then you get to go back to living. If I win then you stay in hell forever. Mm-hmm. Yes. What accent does he have? Like, I have no fucking clue. It, it sounds it like varies. he's almost going for sort of like Norwegian, yeah, German. Vaguely Europe, Eastern European. Vaguely Eastern European, yeah. But it changes many times over the course of the time. It works. Oh, it's great. It's it totally fantastic. works. Yeah. So of course, we're like, oh, they're going to play death. So you see them sitting at this long table. Playing Battleship. Playing Battleship. Very seriously. Bill and Ted, of course, are behind, they, they're playing together and Death is playing in another one and they're calling out numbers. And Bill and Ted call out the last one. Yeah. Then Death is forced to say, it is a hit. You have sunk my battleship. Yep. And then he wants best two out of three. Turns out Death, sore loser. Yeah. Then three out of four, three out of five, then oh, yeah. whatever out of whatever. Yeah. Jumps from Battleship to Clue to Electric Football to finally Twister. The Clue is also pretty funny. You know, Death is sort of like standing off to the side very seriously. He's like, ah, it was Colonel Mustard, the library with the candlestick. No, it was Professor Plum. And, and then he says, I, I, you know, I said Colonel, M- no, wait, fuck. Plum. I said, I Professor, said Plum. Professor Plum. You did not. <laughs> yeah, really silly and ridiculous. It was silly. It was silly and silly. And then, of course, they're playing fucking Twister with death. Sure. They win. He eventually gives in. And then he's at their disposal or at their command. He has to do what they say. And what they need are scientists to build good robot thems because that's the only way to defeat bad robot thems. Yep. Station. Oh, my God. They tried... How... They're trying to make Station a thing in this movie. Yes, the they fuck, are. The fu- they, 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 they start it in the very beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. 
when the dude from Faith No More shows up at like, apparently in the future when they teach classes, they just steal people from history and bring them to talk to them so the teachers don't actually have to teach anything. So they grab the guy from Faith No More. First thing he says when he comes out of the telephone booth is station. And then they're just saying it. Period. They're trying to make station a fucking thing. Apparently it's supposed to be a stand-in for cool and also maybe the name of the scientists that they find in heaven. Yeah. And or the only thing they can say. Unclear. It's very unclear. It doesn't matter. They go to heaven. They immediately mug people and take their clothes. In heaven. In heaven. While they're waiting to get into heaven. Yeah. So they can get in and get Mm -hmm. an audience with God. Yep. Which they get. Yep. And then then they get what they want. Like, yeah, we totally mugged some guys, but we had to talk to you because we died most unfairly. Because most people, when they die, super fair. Just super most, du- yeah. most people, when they probably show up in heaven, are just like, yeah, yeah, yeah I had that coming. <laughs> I, I will argue that being thrown off a cliff by your evil robot uh, twins from the future, that's a little bit unfair. I mean... But doesn't it kind of balance out the fact that they passed high school by getting access to time travel technology with zero limitations on how they could use it? Yeah, good point. They've kind of, uh, there's balance to life, Megan. Yeah, they had already played with future and past shit, so it's not like it was out of the blue. They introduced the ability. It's it's sort of like you you suddenly get access to time travel. You then have to add getting murdered by evil robot use from the future. Yeah, to the potential offset death list. Yeah, you make a good point. It's the yin and the yang of it, Megan. Yeah, past history, get murdered later. Mm. But hey, God has a soft spot for them. He does. Unsurprisingly, because everybody apparently has a soft everybody spot for these does. two fucking morons. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, very much so. Gives them a map that leads them to these two. Guess what? Everybody, the two smartest scientists in all of history, aren't human, you fucking speciesist goobs. Yeah, exactly. It's basically how death, death is great. Death I mean, okay, the part where they laugh at him for wearing a dress is stupid. That's just childish and infantile. But when they see that, like, those are the two signs, they're these two, like, furry guys with great little butts. It's like, oh, oh, you thought they'd be human? These guys over here, am I right? All the other people in heaven? Einstein, you get it. Confucius? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. They're all playing charades together, in case you were wondering what the, the brightest minds from history do in heaven. They play charades together. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they indeed, Megan? And you can kind of tell, like, budgetly speaking for this movie, these creatures are the only non-human creatures because, you know, it would also be hard to make it like a Star Wars cantina-esque, like, meeting of all the aliens. Um, So it's just these two stations um, that are the aliens in this cohort. Maybe most of them wound up in hell. Maybe God is kind of also speciesist. And uh, these were just be. like the best ones. Yeah. And the rest of their planet is just in hell. Or maybe these were the only ones who believed in a Christian concept of God. And the other ones are in a different Martian-based afterlife. Uh, could be. Yeah. They also call it the Martians. And I, I don't know that that's where they're from. I don't. Yeah. They did say that, didn't they? They just that kept saying is, it. Yeah. So obviously they go to like a hardware store and get everything they need to make uh, Bill and Ted's. Oh, excuse me. Not before the two stations run at each other to become Mm -hmm. 
one giant station. Yep, in the parking lot. In the parking lot, the two little stations run full speed at each other and then merge into this gelatinous, meaty, fleshy, pulsating pile. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah, become a giant, giant big station that then builds the robots. Of course, after Bill and Ted, so Bill and Ted go to heaven, get the stations, come back to life. Uh, death is still with them. Then their their to do list is oh, all yes. right. Uh-huh. First, we go home and clean up. Then we warn the princesses about their imminent murder, and then we win the battle of the bands. So you, I'm sorry, you're gonna clean up your apartment clean first, and up. then get around to to telling the princesses that some evil murderers that look exactly like you are out to get them. Yeah, at this point, your fiancés, because they they uh, uh, proposed to them at the very beginning of this movie. Simultaneously, while listing various animals. It was actually yeah. kind of, it was, it was a mildly funny proposal. It was. Confusing, but but funny. Um, yeah. Always clean up first, Ember, I guess. Always clean up first, yeah. Put your best foot forward. Mm-hmm. But it mm-hmm. gives you some fun time to laugh at death in the kind of, it's, it's, like a, it's like an everything store, you know, hardware and electronics and... So death is pushing the cart and the stations are getting stuff and he's he's like comparison shopping, you know, he pulls out like a hoe and com- is like, do I want this better than my scythe? He's like, nah, I like my scythe. I don't need this hoe. And sees a guy who's smoking and he's like, see you soon. Yeah, <laughs> this is a throwaway. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. And clearly William Sadler and as death is kind of having a fun time. Yes. He's the best part of the movie, for sure. I feel like he super is. I love him so much. Even in the van, you know, the station, the giant station's building the robots, and there's a building robot montage while they're driving, and there's a song playing, and Death is just quietly working on the wigs for the robots. Yes. (laughs) You know, just like twisting the hair just so. Mm -hmm. Yes. And when they get out of the van, and they're going to the Battle of the Bands, and like, oh, Station, these are amazing robot S's. Thank you so much. Death is all, I did the wigs. I pushed the cart. You know, I helped too. <laughs> I contributed. You're like, oh, Death is thirsty. Yeah. Death, Death wants some recognition. That makes yeah. sense. He's a hard job. Nobody really appreciates what he does. Right? He mm-hmm. doesn't get any respect. The first thing they did when they met him, Melvind. Melvind. Rude. Melvind. No respect. Yeah. Now they're not appreciating his contributions. He's also the one who brought them to heaven. I, yeah. I mean, he's done He's done a lot for them, Amber. He's done everything for them. Yeah. Saved them from hell. I feel like he didn't have to show up and play them, quite frankly, after the way he was treated. Yeah, it's true. The big end scene, there's a lot, Megan. There's a lot going on. There are numerous Bill and Ted's in different, uh, yeah, iterations. There's so, it's, okay, just from the outset, evil Bill and Ted are there, Pam Greer shows up, she's the person who is is organizing the Battle of the Bands and that let them in in the first place. Right. She's like, hey, where are the princesses, you know, the rest of your band? They're like, oh, don't worry about that. They're hanging from the rafters. We're going to kill them at the finale. She's like, cool, and just walks away. I, mm-hmm. If you look up, they are literally hanging from the rafters. I don't, she's just super chill about this. She is. We also learn later that she's George Carlin. Yeah, she's George. Yeah, Pam Greer is George Carlin in a Pam Greer suit. Right. The logic is actually pretty sound. Mm -hmm. He explains that no one else would have let them into the Battle of the Bands, which is true. They could not play. 
Right. And George Carlin got pulled into the past via the evil Bill and Ted robot time machine. And we don't see him for 90% of the movie until he comes back at the very end. Inside of Pam Greer. Yes. So there's Obviously. that. Mm -hmm. There's the fact that, uh, okay, so evil Bill and Ted robots start the concert by insulting the audience. But then good Bill and Ted show up. And the audience goes wild. And then the good robot thems show up by bursting through a brick wall for some reason. Reasons, yep. And the evil Bill and Ted robots just give up at that point. They're like, well, we've been bested. So they just stand there while the good robots just charge up to them and just, just uppercut their heads off. So that happens. And then Denomalos, the evil future guy, shows up and just decides he's just going to shoot them. But waits while they confer with each other. Of course. And then also broadcast their eventual murder in his speech to the entire globe so that they can all get prepared for the new Denomalos world order. Right. It's very um, Wonder Woman 1984, where the bad guy takes over the um, airwaves to, um, yeah, get everybody's attention. Yes. It's, it's, it's exactly what you just said in the, about the movie that I haven't watched. Yes. Exactly. Bad guy's like, everybody look at me, but it backfires. Oh, because, no, I fucked up. Yeah. Oh, no, I fucked up because as he's standing there, I'm going to shoot you. Bill and Ted start talking to each other. He's still like a couple feet away. He hasn't shot them yet, but he's, he's giving them a chance to kind of be like, man, what are we going to do about, about this? Yeah. Okay. After we win, we'll just use the time machine he used to get here and go back and set things up to beat him now. Okay. So like what? How about a sandbag? And then immediately a sandbag falls on his gun hand. And like, how about a cage? And then a cage falls on Denomalos. He's like, ah, but you don't understand that maybe I won. And I had time to prepare this. And he has a key in his back pocket. Mm -hmm. And he uses the key to unlock the cage. And this. And he pulls out another gun. And this time, he just straight up goes to shoot them like he should have in the first place. Yeah. But Megan, what comes out of the gun? Well, Amber, you 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 forget that it's only the winners who get to change the future. And so instead of bullets coming out of the gun. It's one of them little bang flags. Yeah, it's a little bang flag. Or no, actually it says, but it says wild stallions. That's right. It does say wild stallions. Because branding. Yep, exactly. So again, the future. Oh, boy. I'm not even going to talk about it this time. But It'll Megan, hurt my you brain. love this stuff. I you love this stuff so, so much. much. So he's beaten, I yes. guess. Mm -hmm. Rufus inside Pam reveals himself. And then, much like at the end of the first movie, they realize, oh shit, we still can't play our fucking instruments. So they then use the time machine to go uh, take eight months? No, it must have been a little bit longer. Uh, 18 months, I think, um, to go uh, intensively learn their instruments, um, also get married, have children, and come back to win the Battle of the Bands. Yes. If I remember correctly, the one rule of time travel that we were given in the first movie is that the clock is always running in the time that you're from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that, it doesn't matter anymore. That, that rule doesn't exist. That they, was in they the leave. first movie, Amber. That was in the I'm so sorry. They These are the advanced time machines that don't matter about that. Maybe, okay, yeah, maybe they got the budget version the first time. Yeah. This one, they leave and immediately return to a stunned audience with yep. babies strapped to their backs and very different facial hair. Yep. And mad guitar skills. Yes. 
Meanwhile, the entire Earth is still watching. Of course. Megan, they can finally play. Yeah. Delnomalos actually set this up. He's actually... Not only did things go poorly, they went epically poorly for him in a way that he has now created the future that he hates. Oh, and before they play. Yes. Their big speech, Megan. Oh, yes. We've been to the past and the future. We've been all over the afterlife. And all we can say is, the best place to be is here. The best time to be is now. Then they play an epic guitar harmony, and their robot good robots are backup dancers, and ooh, Death is on the bass! When they yes. introduce Death on the bass, he like drops the bass, someone hands him his scythe, he struts forward to the microphone. Yes. And <laughs> gives like the old like adage, like, you may be a king or a little street sweeper, but something, something, you always pay the reaper, whatever. And mm-hmm, like he, mm-hmm. he just, it's so cute. And then he like does twirls his scythe and he struts back. He's having such a good time. He is, yeah. He's so cute. And then and then we learn um, that the end of the movie is is portrayed in like headlines about the things that have happened. You know the 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 harmony that the. Um, Bill and Ted bring to the world with their music and how death is also a part of the band. Mm -hmm. Death is a part of the band. He tries to make a solo album. It flops. He rejoins the wild stallions. Yeah. They, they end, they, they play in the middle East and bring about peace and they, the ice crap caps come back and global warming is solved and they go to space and also play. They play the grand Canyon when there's rumors that they might've split up. The Dow Jones drops 500 points and then, when those proved to be rumors, it shoots up thousands of points. It's mm-hmm. What I didn't see, what I didn't see, Megan, uh-huh. is what I was promised in the first movie. What I was <gasps> promised in the first movie yes. is that when they play their music, it aligns the planets uh-huh. and brings meaningful, meaningful communication yes. with all forms of life. All I didn't see a single life. fucking person talking to their dog. That is the first goddamn thing you would do. Of course it would be. Be like, hey, Muppet. What do you really like to do? How are you doing? How yeah. are you? Really? What's what, your deal? Yeah. What is up? What is up with you? Why do you keep attacking that other dog? Because it's it's crazy. He was sleeping. You shouldn't have done that. That's yeah, really no, disturbing. That's, can we can we can we just have really a meaningful dialogue yeah. about mm-hmm. this? Yeah. Not a once. I didn't see one spinning newspaper saying like giraffes. As it turns out, kind of dicks. <laughs> do to do's would never be dicks, Amber. Don't be silly. Yes. Do do to do's. The common word for giraffe that everyone knows outside of your family. Yeah, exactly. See, you get it. Amber, what did you think of this movie? On the rock scale, regrettable, outstanding, crazeballs, or K? I mean, lots of funny things. Love death. Oh, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winters really are delightful in their roles. It's the fact true. that, like, it, the, the two main characters, one of them is an Asian man. He's mm-hmm. it's in a leading role that is just, yes, please, I want to see more of that in the fucking 90s. Yes. Yes to that. And just his physicality in it, the stupidity of it all is kind of delightful. There are regrettable things in it. There are regrettable things in For it, sure. just like in the first one. And, you know, you hold those two things in your mind. Like, we can critique that and yell about it, but I think that there's enough in it that I found delightful, adorable, and somewhat funny. That I think it can maintain craze balls. Almost okay. So you know how being a dude is a lot easier? And that, that somehow it seems like men just sort of get rewarded 
especially like white men, and I know, you know, Keanu Reeves is not white, but just sort of get rewarded for existing, just for like basic mediocrity. It's just, oh, remarkable one. Here, lead us. Do yes. all of the things. You deserve everything that, that happens to you that's good and all the bad stuff. That's that's something that's someone else's fault. You, you're the victim here. Like, it, it's almost like they just unintentionally distilled that down to its most basic form of absurdity. Like, what mm-hmm. if two completely pointless, unremarkable human men are somehow responsible for utopia, yet cannot accomplish it on their own in Not any way? They bit, have yeah. to essentially be handed unlimited power. Mm-hmm. And even then, they still fail without regular intervention. Yes. And assistance mm-hmm. from all-powerful either humans or literal deities. Yep. Or Martians. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Or Martians. But like God himself helps them. Death helps them. Time travel technology helps them. Rufus is still there behind the scenes, handing them things they don't deserve. Yeah. They had no right to get in the Battle of the Bands. No. Every opportunity to learn their instruments, because of course the princesses did. Right. But they still need to be constantly helped to earn saving the world and being amazing despite the fact that the most interesting thing they had to say was it's this is a good time and place to be they didn't even say be excellent to each other i mean no no they were also given like 18 months of time they were gifted time to actually learn their shit presumably Um, presumably they didn't pay for those lessons they didn't leave with money they don't have any that somebody else fed and clothed and groomed them because clearly they are not capable of doing those things themselves. I would presume maybe the princesses. So it's just, the pregnant princesses, the, the princesses who gave birth to their children while also. So I have to say that there is a level to this movie that I kind of am amused by, and that it is it is the perfect distillation of like see how absurd it is that we treat mediocre white dudes like they're gods and deserve all the things. Think about how much they're being handed mm-hmm. <laughs> before being like, well, he must have earned that. Yep. I don't know. There's, there's, I, I feel like, to me, there's a meta message that they weren't intending. Yeah. Huh, I believe it. How did they save the world? How was this? What? Sure. Fuck it. Why? Why not? I don't uh, Sure. Yeah. Utopia now, because they learned to play instruments. Yep. These two. These two right here fix the world. And now universities are named after them. And there's like a whole kind of like religion and culture based off of their lives. Wow. Jeez, these guys, these two right here. That's how I feel about it. How do you feel about it, Megan? Yeah, um, I think I'm probably in the craze balls K regrettable. Yeah, kind of all, all in there. You didn't watch it when you were young enough to really I didn't. No. appreciate the stupidity, I guess. This is a movie for a tween. Or younger. God, I don't even think I was 10 when this came out. Megan, do you have an happy story? I do. I'm going to hearken back to a to a um old Abby story where um she was um very little and she was um trying to jump and clap at the same time and then she was saying I'm so fancy when she would neither really jump nor really clap and certainly not at the same time. And and there's a video of her just trying to do both of those things and saying that she's fancy. It's very adorable. The fanciness was attempting to do the two simultaneously? Correct. That would be pretty fancy. Yeah. Amber, do you have a recommendation? Every time. We need to have more guests on. I don't have to do recommendations when we have guests. Let's see. Okay. 
All right. Okay, so I've already recommended Martha Wells's Murderbot series, but I'm going to lazily recommend. So the first few books were novellas, pretty short. She last year came out with Network Effect. It was a full-length novel. Very good. I'm actually going to reread it right now with my friend because her next book is coming out at the end of April. So yeah, read the Murderbot Diaries and then the two most recent books, which, you know, came out after I made the original recommendation, Network Effect, and then the upcoming Fugitive Telemetry at the end of April. So here's two more books to read that you didn't know about the first time I recommended this author. I still recommend her and they're longer than the first ones. So you're welcome. And I didn't feel like thinking of something else. They're great sci-fi written by a woman. I mean, there's a lot of sci-fi written by women, but I feel like the most popular authors always tend to be men. And she just does such really fun, interesting things with the tropes. Some of it is sort of like turning it on its head. And a lot of it is just this no-duh sensibility to it. Like her world building's great, her humor's solid, her action's fantastic, the mechanics are wonderful. And it really gets a chance to breathe when she does a longer book. So if you are at all into the sci-fi genre and not like hardcore, like 600 page, you really got to pay attention sci-fi, but kind of tongue in cheek, I want to play with this genre a bit sci-fi. I highly recommend Martha Wells's The Murderbot Diaries again, but with two new books. Megan, do you have a recommendation? Oh boy. Um, I have been trying to recreate my favorite salad from a restaurant that is currently still uh, closed. And um, the salad at the restaurant is very simple. It is um, greens with um, toasted almonds and poppy seed dressing. Literally what it is. It's like a little side salad-y thing that comes mm-hmm. with French onion soup. It's um, barely a salad. That's, that's just lettuce with dressing and almonds. Yes. It is the almond, it, but it's those combination of those three things that is just like wonderfully delicious to me um and then i like i've been you know adding a whole bunch of veggies to it and stuff like that but it's been um it's been delightful and the the salad dressing that i have gotten that most accurately um uh uh, copies that one from the restaurant is um brianna's poppy seed dressing um which (laughs) which has a um peach uh on the on the cover cover label leading peach it is it's a huge peach on this bottle of dressing and then in the upper part of it it says delicious on peaches and then in small writing it says does not contain peaches Uh, i mean you do have to warn them about that yeah i was actually looking this up and um brianna's has a whole line of dressings probably obviously but um it is. It goes. I was like, oh, there's a there's one that's like a French dressing that has a artichoke on the thing. It's like, oh, maybe this is their thing. They don't. They say, you know, they do pictures on the cover of what it's delicious on, but that's not true because then they have a strawberry dressing that has a picture of a strawberry, an avocado dressing that has a picture of an avocado. They're just like they're just fucking with you, Amber. You don't know whether it's good on that thing or contains that thing. I like these people. They're basically Anarchy. gaslighting you. Yes. wonder if they're hiring. It just seems like my spot. It does. So, Amber, I'd like to, to close this, um, as I always do, by saying like to you... Like an asshole? Yeah. My friend, God gave rock and roll to you. I mean, he could have also given me unlimited 
access to scientists and time travel technology and I could run the world and be its savior, but instead he gave me fucking rock and roll, which probably also is performed and given to me by white guys and they get to fucking rule the world and be the saviors and have universities named after them. So thanks, God, for the rock and roll, I guess. I mean, literally, because it's 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 a song by Kiss that was in the movie. So yeah, literally, white guys singing the song to you. Mm-hmm. Just maddening. It's maddening, Megan. Maddening, mm-hmm. Megan. Yes, Amber. Have a good weekend this year. Thank you to you as well. Bye. Bye. Bye.